Hey, it's Jordan. We'll open up the Chill Factory in about 20 seconds. Do you have the Chill Factory app yet? It's a great way to relax right now and forever. And at the end of this episode, I'll be giving a special password so that you and 25 other listeners can use all of the Chill Factory app's features for free. I don't like to lie to children. I feel like sometimes we tend to to kind of give them this very rosy colored view of the world and then when they deal with conflict and challenge they don't know how to cope with it. Welcome to the Chill Factory where we make life easier. I'm Jordan Friedman. Last Thursday the annual Stress in America survey was released. It's done by the American Psychological Association and it found that 80 percent of Americans are stressed by what's going on in Ukraine. That same day, we posted episode 17 of The Chill Factory called Coping with the Stress of Ukraine, where we talked about how adults can think about and process some of the horrors that we're seeing on our TV screens. That night, I spoke with a friend, and she told me that her 10-year-old asked if we were going to have nuclear war, and her 7-year-old asked if they were going to have to move. My friend said she found it really difficult to answer these questions, and that made me think that we should do an episode about explaining Ukraine to kids. And right away, I thought Amanda Baden would be a great guest, because Amanda helped us out back in episode two, which was called You Voted for Who?, where we talked about how to navigate relationships around political differences. Amanda Baden is a clinical psychologist based in New York City and a professor in the graduate counseling program at Montclair State University. She focuses her research and practice on transracial adoption and serves on numerous boards, including the New York State Board of Psychology and Creating Families. Amanda Baden, welcome back to The Chill Factory. How do you answer questions like these? Well, they're really tough questions from kids, but they're important. So based on the question, I would guess that they've either been watching the news or heard your friend and maybe other friends or partners talking about this this subject. So sometimes a little information can be more damaging than a lot, which may be the case for, for these kids. In terms of asking if they're going to have to move or whether a nuclear attack is possible, I think that sometimes it's helpful to, to recognize that the child is is anxious and that they're worried about safety. And so when a kid asks something like that, it might be helpful to say, oh, it sounds like you're kind of worried about what our safety and what's gonna happen um, to us. And, and then talk about what's happening, explain maybe in a way that they can understand about what's happening in Ukraine. And that sometimes there's conflicts between governments, between countries. They aren't about the people who live there. They're about the people who are in charge of people who live there. But also that when things are dangerous in other places, sometimes people have to seek more safety. The likelihood of something happening in the U.S. is, I think, fairly slim, but no one knows for certain. There's a lot of different possibilities. And so, unfortunately, we can't control what's going to happen, but what we can do is know that we have ways of being safe, 
and that we're going to do our best at it. Are there circumstances where it would be okay to say, no, we're not going to have to move, and no, there's, there's not going to be a nuclear attack? I don't like to lie to children. I feel like sometimes we tend to to kind of give them this very rosy-colored view of the world, and then when they deal with conflict and challenge, they don't know how to cope with it. And so helping kids to recognize that, that things happen in life that aren't always happy, sometimes sad, sometimes scary, but that we can cope with that, I think it's a really a better script than telling them everything's fine because things aren't always fine. Would I reassure a three-year-old or a four-year-old? Probably. But seven and 10, I would be more, myself, more circumspect and would say something more like, you know, I understand that it's it's scary and um, we're all worried and very worried for the people there. But I do believe that we can be safe. We can't control what happens, but I don't think any of that is going to happen. Now, this is, much easier said than done, but should we try to limit or prevent kids from even getting the news and information in the first place? Should we try to limit what they see online, what they see on the TV in the living room? You know, the hard part with the news is, as we remember from things like the 9-11 attack, there were things on TV that adults are still traumatized from seeing. So I guess I would say that they should probably stay away from news. In fact, I actually recommend this for anybody who's very anxious to try and really very, very limit their limit their um, news consumption, maybe keep it to print and not to TV, because if you're already start as a fairly anxious person, seeing these things doesn't make your anxiety less. It only makes it worse and you may feel less control as well. But for children, I would try and keep them from seeing as much of some of the the, the detailed 24-hour news cycle. I don't think those are healthy to have on in families anyway. But, you know, the 24-hour news cycle is something that I think a lot of folks have been critiquing as sort of increasing everyone's anxiety, a whole, a whole society of anxious people from watching all of the horrors constantly. So instead, I would say I would let them know that something's happening because they will hear it from other kids. They might see it as they pass the TV in a a store window or something like that. So we don't want our children to be in a bubble. I don't think so, at least. I think we want to build resilient kids who have various ways of coping that helps them manage the uncertainty while still feeling some sense of safety. Um, We don't want to give a Pollyanna-ish kind of perspective that nothing will ever happen. Because I think kids don't even believe that. When a parent tells them that, I'm not sure they even believe it. So they see too much. They know that things happen. Instead, to say, here's how we're going to make sure we're safe. And, And if you're concerned, we could talk about what plans we have should something ever happen. But we also... don't anticipate any of that happening because it seems like our government does not want that right now and they're trying to prevent any of that from happening. And in addition to the suggestions you just gave about 
managing media intake, are there key things that we should be uh, communicating and doing and perhaps repeating with our kids to help them feel better during this time and other crises to come? I think that in terms of um, things we can we can do and say is to talk to kids about how they can stay calm and recognize that they can't control the world and that it's okay to not know and be able to make things exactly as we want them, that we have resilience and we can adjust as things happen. I think a calmer parent makes a calmer kid. And if the parent is anxious and struggling with their own anxiety around these things, you will see that in the child. So I encourage parents to really work on their own ability to stay calm, to be able to recognize that they have resilience, to be aware and empathetic towards those who are suffering, but not to feel like the sky is falling. A lot of folks tend to catastrophize. Um, I've had many people I've worked with as a psychologist who, you know, it's a, it's a very common thing in our society. We try and anticipate the very worst thing that could happen. Um, with the belief that it will help us be ready. But in fact, it doesn't help us be ready. It just makes us anxious. Because again, you can't control what happens in these situations. So I think that helping the parents be calmer and helping kids understand that there are things that happen in the world that aren't always fair, but that there's a lot of good people who are trying to help make um, things safer for everyone and to help each other. I suppose that this could also be a learning opportunity for kids and a way for parents and caregivers and kids to work together because A, we don't know how long the situation in Ukraine is going to go on. We don't know what else is going to happen. And surely there are going to be other things that come down the line in our lives which are going to... um, require us to be resilient again and again. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I think we feel like when we feel some level of confidence that we can adjust, even if we're adjusting to something that we really don't like, that can make us feel a little more confident that we can can keep going and, and find safety in the world. Yeah, good lesson for adults as well. Amanda, what kind of impact can all of this and kids seeing it and knowing about it, even if we do our best to try and protect them uh, and talk with them about it, what kind of impact can this have in the short and long term? And what can adults, parents look for as signs that maybe kids you know, aren't doing so well with all of this? That's a great question, Jordan. I think that any kind of traumatic event can show up in a lot of different ways in children and in adults. And so certainly increased anxiety, hypervigilance, clinging behavior, fear, fear responses. So, you know, I mean, essentially, whenever people are exposed to something traumatic, it triggers the fight or flight response. And so Folks who are triggered heavily by all of those kinds of events may find themselves in a constant state of of 
dealing with fight or flight, that increases a lot of cortisol and makes everything harder for them. So I, I think we should watch out for high levels of anxiety in children if they are engaging in catastrophizing as well. Um, if we watch that they're seeming more depressed or worried, uh, if they're having trouble concentrating or you see acting out behavior, all of those can be signs that they are, are struggling with these things. I actually really encourage people to have actual conversations about these things in a calm way, in a way that helps the child feel like you can see what they're experiencing, that you're someone they can talk to about it, but you're not going to dictate how they should feel. Too often we tell kids, don't be worried about that, or you shouldn't be upset. And telling kids how to feel isn't isn't going to be helpful either. What instead you could say is something like, you seem pretty worried, and I'm wondering if we could figure out a way that would help you cope with that better. So you could see there's a difference in judging or dictating how behavior should be versus acknowledging it, the behavior, naming it, and figuring out some some um, possible responses to the to the anxiety or other problem. And you made me think that it wouldn't be a bad idea for parents to watch the news with their kids mm-hmm. uh, to explain what's going on, add some context, uh, answer questions because so often kids are off you know watching things on their own and parents are making dinner or cleaning up or doing work and uh, this might be a good time to watch the news together. I agree, especially if children have access to social media. They may be watching versions of the news without the benefit of having an adult to help them understand it. For example, TikTok, from what I understand, has a lot of footage of some of the um, the war on its platform. And a kid who has access to that may be seeing those things and not really understand what's happening. I mean, I think even 20-year-olds and 30-year-olds don't necessarily have the context of the Cold War, for example. So this is the first time they may have consciously understood these threats. And I don't know about you, but my memory of it is that we can't constantly live in a way of fear that's not going to help anything. We can do our best to stay safe. And we can hope and vote for people who are have reasonable, calm, measured responses to, to stress and avoid those who have dictatorial, um, narcissistic responses. Too often we have leaders who are in those positions who, unfortunately, these events, to me, are a result of psychological problems that the, that the leaders have. And had, so, unfortunately, we live out their psychological challenges. And this is another opportunity to talk with kids about what leadership means. And, Absolutely. And to observe the people in charge in our governments who uh, are doing the right thing. Mm-hmm. Amanda, something we often suggest to adults is to get involved, to send emails, to make 
make phone calls, to volunteer, to protest. And that that is a way to reduce stress as opposed to just sitting around and stewing about something and being angry and not communicating your feelings. And I know kids uh, do get involved in uh, volunteer efforts for a lot of different topics, including what's going on in Ukraine today. I'm wondering if you think that that's a good idea, or should we be thinking about giving kids a break from this? Because they're hearing conversations about it, they're seeing it on the news and on their phones. Should we be cautious about having them be involved in these efforts I described around around Ukraine and, and other events? It's a good question. I mean, a lot of this uh, situation, we finally shifted from a focus on COVID and its atrocities to this now. So kids have been through a lot. Families, people have been through a lot in the past few years. However, we also know that one of the ways people cope with with stress is to feel like they are doing something and it gives them a sense of purpose, a sense of identity. Um, they can see themselves then as a charitable giver in some way, someone who's a volunteer. Those things can help kids understand that there are things they can do and not just feel victimized by it all. But I think it's also helpful to give them a choice um, and to help them understand. I think having them feel some agency can be helpful. It might You might have to consider how involved you want to let the child get or how much they may feel responsible. You don't want the child to feel overly responsible for, for mitigating all these problems, but instead to feel that they can contribute to, to helping folks who are in need. Yeah, and watching what's happening in Ukraine, you just want to you know, jump through your phone or jump through your TV and be there to help in any way you can. That's part of the stress and frustration of this is not being able to help our fellow humans who are struggling. And that's such a good sign that so many people everywhere of all different kinds of backgrounds and political beliefs are feeling the same way about this and wanting to help. Amanda Baden, thank you so much. The Chill Factory's door is open to you anytime you want to come by because you are such a reassuring voice in challenging times. Thanks for all of your guidance, and I'm guessing that we will talk with you uh, again in the future. Thanks so much for having me, Jordan. Check the show notes for more about Amanda, and you'll also find links to organizations supporting Ukrainians and their families around the world. And I'd really love to know what you're thinking and doing and saying, things that are helping you cope with the stress of Ukraine. Just go to thechillfactory.net and use the blue tab on the right side of any site page to leave a voice comment. And I'll share some of those comments on future episodes as a way to help all of us deal with this very difficult time.
The Chill Factory app is always available to help you reduce your stress and anxiety, and now it's ready to help Ukrainians and their families around the world. You automatically earn health rewards points for using different features on the app, and now you can donate those points to organizations supporting Ukrainians and their families. For every 100 points you donate, we turn around and give a free app subscription to these organizations to help someone in terribly stressful circumstances find a little bit of peace. Just download the Chill Factory app from the App Store or Google Play and enter the password UNITY so that you and 25 other listeners can use all of the Chill Factory app's features for free for one year from the original post date of this episode. It's quitting time for this episode of The Chill Factory. I'm Jordan Friedman. Thanks so much for listening. We have more resources at thechillfactory.net, and you can leave a voice comment or question there. Just look for the blue tab on the right side of any site page. Be sure to subscribe or follow The Chill Factory so you'll know when new episodes are available. And if you liked something you heard on this or any episode, we'd love it if you rated or reviewed The Chill Factory wherever you get your podcasts. And as Anne Frank said, in the long run, the sharpest weapon of all is a kind and gentle spirit.